When I was a little kid, I played soccer. I remember clearly my first goal. I was playing right midfield. I got the ball. I was actually paying attention for once. I, I trapped it properly. I didn't trip or tumble or anything. And I started running towards the goal. Parents started screaming and cheering. I ran faster than ever before. I was so excited. There was no one between me and the goal. I shot. I scored. It was my first ever goal. My joy and elation lasted for about a millisecond until I noticed that no one was cheering. I looked more closely at the goal. It looked familiar. Come to think of it, the angry-looking little goalkeeper looked familiar too. Yeah, it was our goal. <laughs> For the next two years, I was made goalkeeper. Not just because I was bigger, but because that way I would never get confused about which goal I was supposed to be at. We've been looking at the sorts of things that can look like goals that we want in life. Fame, wealth, comfort, perfection. They all look like the right goals to the young, immature, and inexperienced. For the more experienced, though, we recognize them as counterfeit. The more mature, we recognize that if we were to devote our lives to scoring in those goals, we're only going to do ourselves damage and harm. This week, we discover the count, or we consider the counterfeit own goal of approval. In fact, this is one such powerful goal that it has a draw, a power, an addictive kind of element to it. It's so addictive that it's been described as uh, sometimes it's called the disease to please. Once again, let me outline what this actually looks like in people's lives so that you can point out all the times your friends and loved ones show approval addictive behaviours, which is all good and well as long as you too are prepared to receive the same feedback from them. So here are 10 signs to look out for that may suggest that you might be a little bit of an approval junkie. Approval addicts, number one, pretend to agree with everyone. Uh, listening to people tell you what they think is, is a good social skill, but pretending to agree when you don't just because you want to be liked is a bad sign. Two, approval addicts feel responsible for how other people feel. Now, being able to recognise how your behaviour influences others is another important social skill. But avoiding important actions or conversations because it may make someone dislike you is a problem. Approval addicts often tend to apologise. People pleasers excessively blame themselves or they fear other people will always be blaming, blaming them. So frequent apologies can be a sign of this bigger problem. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the counterfeit goal of perfection. And I just want to raise an interesting point related to that. If you come across two people in a relationship, one an approval addict, the other a perfectionist, both are going to have problems. A perfectionist, if you recall, is always looking to blame others for their mistakes. An approval addict is always willing to accept blame. It seems like a good fit, right? But really, what you end up with is a devastating spiral. Until both are blaming and accepting blame incorrectly, both are in denial about their true selves. So if you meet someone who's always, who always seems to be apologizing for trivial things, you need to tell them something. You need to tell them, stop it. Stop apologizing for being you. Four, approval addicts feel burdened by all the things they have to do. People pleasers often have packed schedules filled with activities that they think other people want them to do. 
Uh, and of course, this is okay, but often the people pleaser has no time left for their own pursuits, their activities, their own goals, or even their own calling. They don't fulfill lots of things in God's plan for their lives because they just don't have the time because they're busy fulfilling lots of other people's plans for their lives. And this is often because, number five, approval addicts can't say no. People pleasers will sacrifice their own goals and purposes because they can't speak up for themselves. Well, don't get me wrong, there are times when you are called to sacrifice something of yourself on behalf of others. That's a truly noble calling. But if you're sacrificing your own calling, your own desires and things, just because you're looking for the approval of others, that's not so noble. Number six, approval addicts need praise to feel good. When praise and kind words can make everyone feel good, people pleasers depend on it for validation. If your self-worth rests entirely on what others think about you, you'll only feel good when they shower you with compliments. In the message of comment this week, uh, I talked about how I love the fact that on Strava, whenever you track a bike ride or a run or a walk or whatever, your friends give you kudos rather than likes. Kudos is brilliant. The definition of kudos is praise and honor received for an achievement. So much better than likes. The trick for me and, and for everyone prone to be a people pleaser is to not depend on that kudos from others, to not allow it to be the foundational source of our self-worth. Number seven, approval addicts act like the people around them. Now, it's normal for other people to bring out different sides of your personality, but people pleasers often sabotage their goals. Let me see. Uh, the studies show people pleasers engage in self-destructive behavior if they think it will help others feel more comfortable in social situations. For example, people pleasers may eat more or certainly drink more when they think it will make other people happy. They'll tell more dirty or racist jokes. They'll, they'll just do things to make others in the group approve of them. I know this is super obvious with teenagers and school kids, right? You can see what happens when a kid moves from one group, one friendship group to another. They change sometimes super dramatically, right? But the same thing is true of adults. The effect may not be as dramatic. It's far more subtle, but it's just as significant. Number eight, approval addicts feel uncomfortable when someone is angry at them. No matter how much of a people pleaser someone may be, there will always inevitably be a time where someone will get mad at them. That's normal human life. A people pleaser gets very uncomfortable though, they, and they look to blame themselves and so on. But the reality is, just because someone is mad doesn't mean you did something wrong. I've been in a, in a car accident where someone rear-ended me. They weren't watching. I stopped at the lights. No, they didn't. They got out of the car and they just started yelling and carrying on and getting angrier and angrier, even though it clearly wasn't my fault. It took everything in me not to apologize or agree with him just because I'm prone to this disease to please. Number nine, approval addicts go to great lengths to avoid conflict. You know, it's one thing to not want to start conflict, but avoiding conflict at all costs means you'll struggle to stand up for the things and the people that you really believe in. Causes and commissions that you're called to fight. Employers who are people pleasers often don't last long because they can often refuse to enter into difficult conversations that they have to have with underperforming employees. <laughs> there are conversations I know being avoided all over the place in families and other relationships too. And 10, approval addicts don't admit when their feelings are hurt. Simple truth is you can't build an authentic relationship without, without being willing to speak up when you get hurt. 
Avoiding conversations when you're angry, sad, embarrassed, or disappointed. When you're emotionally wounded, keeps the relationship superficial. I mean, yeah, you, you can keep talking about car racing or card making, but if you're going to avoid the deeper issues between you, then your relationship will be nothing more than Facebook deep. Now, I know I'm about to say something that seems like a stereotype, but I don't think it is completely. I don't think it's entirely far from the mark, because this is particularly true of men who grew up in our culture, where it was taught to not express emotions. Men were taught that somehow the only reason you could cry was if your team lost in the football or, of course, if they won the grand final. The reality is, many times we avoid talking about how we feel because we want to avoid conflict. We're afraid of someone's disapproval. But the outcome of bottled up emotions, of grievances, annoyances, is never good. It's often explosive. So that's what it's like to be a people-pleasing approval addict. Turn with me now to the book of Proverbs, where we get a simple, profound two-line description, a snare and a solution. The writer to the Proverbs described people-pleasing as a snare. Proverbs 29.25 says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. And the word snare is the word mulkesh, a a noose for catching animals or, or a hook for the nose. And it's so true, isn't it? When you live as a people pleaser, it's as if you have a a hook in your nose and you allow it to be pulled in whichever direction people around you want to pull it. But look again at the statement from Proverbs. People pleasing, the snare, that's not actually the problem. It's a symptom. The true problem is the fear of people. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. So what is it that we fear in people? What is this? Why is an ancient author trying to say? Well, it's not the fear of their, their anger. It's not the fear of violence. It's the fear of their disapproval. The fear that they will not accept us, that they will not approve of us, that they will not consider us worthy. Let that sink in for a moment. The writer of the Proverbs says the fear of men is a snare. This fear that you may not be acceptable or not approved of, not considered worthy enough. That's the fear that drives approval addiction. That's fear that people will not approve of us will not consider us worthy. Here's what Amy Morin says in Psychology Today magazine. For many, the eagerness to please stems from self-worth issues. They hope that saying yes to everything asked of them will help them feel accepted and liked. Isn't it nice when modern psychology validates 3,000-year-old writings of the Proverbs? I think it is anyway. And this disease to please is born of a sick fear are very much related to the other counterfeit goals that we've talked about. This fear of people drives many to seek fame and attention. A fear of people drives many of us to seek wealth and status. A fear of people drives the desire to appear perfect. Well, actually, on on a slighter side, I want to clarify perfectionism and approval addiction slightly. They are related, but they are different. A perfectionist strives to do better because of some internal drive that tells them if they don't reach a certain standard, they won't be worthy. A perfectionist can be a perfectionist without anyone else telling them they did a perfect job. Whereas an approval addict may be similar, but the internal drive is not about reaching a particular standard. It's about gaining the praise and acknowledgement and approval of others. So approval addiction is always looking to what other people for validation, whereas perfection is always looking to a perfect standard for validation. But you can see how all of these are related, can't you? All of them rest on this desire to be valued, validated, affirmed, accepted, and approved of by others, or by oneself, or by God. So that's the snare. The solution, according to the writer of the Proverbs, says, 
The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. The solution is to trust in the Lord. Fear people or trust in the Lord. It's a binary statement. You either fear people or you trust in the Lord. It's black and white. It's simple. Trust in the Lord. So I want to spend some time this morning talking about what this means. Because Paul in the New Testament wrote a lot to churches who struggled with this trusting Lord or trusting man. Bill read to us earlier from Paul's opening words to the church in Galatia, where Paul says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Galatians 1, 6 and 7. So this different gospel that Paul was talking about had a lot to do with fearing man rather than trusting God. You see, Paul was super famous. He was going around saying, trust in Jesus. There were a bunch of Jewish leaders and preachers who felt that Paul had got it wrong. They hounded him across the world and they taught that because Jesus was Jewish and that Christianity as taught by Paul was fundamentally Jewish, then people had to convert to Judaism. They had to go through an approval process in the Jewish temple to join the Jewish people before they could call themselves Christians. Over and over again in his letters, Paul has to reaffirm that there is nothing at all required from anyone for the approval and acceptance of God. Here's what he says. I said it once, I'll say it again. If anyone, regardless of reputation or credentials or or credentials preaches something other than what you've received originally, let him be cursed. This great message I delivered to you is not mere human optimism. I didn't receive it through the traditions and it wasn't taught in some school. I got it straight from God, received the message directly from Jesus Christ. The message of Paul, the message we share with you today is simply this. God loves you. Jesus died to prove it, and the Holy Spirit will help you realize it. There is nothing you need to do, no hoops you need to jump through, no approval you need to seek from any person, no behavior you have to replicate, no uniform you have to wear, no words you have to speak. It's true, it's done, and it's for you, if you want it. You have nothing to fear from people. No lack of approval, no criticism, no imperfection, no disdain, no difficulty. None of that can take away the truth that God of creation cosmos is love and therefore approves of you absolutely. Don't let anyone tell you different. Now, I'm not an idiot. I know that this is hard. I know that a lot of this is easier said than done. I know it's harder to say no to something. I know it's hard to admit failure and speak openly about how hard... uh, about hard how you feel in a relationship. I know it's hard to remember God's approval when someone is angry at you. I know it's hard to stand up and be yourself, open, honest, and vulnerable. But I'm here to tell you that with God's help, it's possible. My recommendation is to read scripture each day, to read something of the Bible. If you haven't got any ideas where to start, please send me a message. Send us an email. I'd love to help you figure out what and where to read. The point is to, be, to deliberately give some time each day to being mindful of God's love for you and God's approval of you. My other recommendation is to get into a life group. Become part of a small group of friends who are true or trusted. Get into a group where you can practice being open and honest and vulnerable and see how much strength you gain from that and the support of your mates. Again, if you're not in a small group, give me a call. Send me a message. We'll introduce you to a bunch of people, most of which are meeting online at the moment, so geography is not a problem. 
but in spending time with God, growing in an understanding of grace that we can develop courage. Then that courage will be exercised in a small group. And you'll find that as you do that, slowly, more and more, you'll find your strength growing. Your ability to say no will grow. Your desire to please others will diminish and your freedom to be yourself will develop. Pray that God richly blesses each of you as you do this.